0: Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
1: here
0: on cbs sports that's Danny cannell that's construction that's Tom Fernelli, that's bud elliott i'm Chip patterson coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover three and all across the 24 7 sports facebook network thanks for hanging out smash that subscribe smash that like come and join us in the chat uh, lots to get to here on a wednesday we are Going to be taking uh, a look into the latest buzz from the coaching carousel. We've got a couple hires. We've got a potential hire. Seems like it's kind of swinging in the balance right now. We'll dive into what the future of the Louisville program looks like and what dominoes may fall. We also want to look at the transfer portal as it stands because there's a lot of talent out there. If we were coaches with limitless scholarships and absolutely no care for how these players felt about each other. We just want to load up on talent. Who would be our top five players in the transfer portal ranking transfer portal players that coming up in just a little bit, but we want to begin because it is award season with the look at some of the big accolades that are coming out. Oh. Uh, that includes the Heisman trophy, uh, which is going to be awarded on Saturday night. Now the Heisman trophy finalists were announced on Monday night. They are Caleb Williams, the wide receiver from USC, Max Duggan, the quarterback from TCU. It also includes uh, Hendon hooker from Tennessee, right? Doesn't it include? It doesn't. Oh, it doesn't. What? what? You're telling me of all the sec quarterbacks, it doesn't include Hendon hooker.
1: What did you just throw?
0: My, my heart, okay? I threw it <laughs> over there to the side. No, Hendon uh, Hooker is not a Heisman Trophy uh, finalist. CJ Stroud from Ohio State is a Heisman Trophy finalist. And Stetson Bennett, the quarterback from the University of Georgia, is a Heisman Trophy finalist. So, um, if you were to look at the betting markets, the idea of who is going to win the Heisman Trophy seems like it is not even a debate. I believe you have to lay 2,500 of your hard-earned dollars in order to win 100 back on the proposition that Caleb Williams is going to win the Heisman Trophy. The oddsmakers certainly believe that Williams is set to join uh, the very, very uh, high um, you know, echelon of college football, uh, the, another USC Heisman Trophy winner. So now let's look at the picture itself because here's what we know about the Heisman Trophy voting process. Number one, the ballot includes three spots. You can't have five. You've got to make decisions about who you're going to put, which means we've got more finalists than we even do spots on the ballot, which means that there's going to be a lot of debate over maybe the number two and the number three spot, or maybe even just who those top three are. We also know that Heisman Trophy votes are distributed regionally. They include different pockets of the country, and they include one pool of national votes. We also know that there's a whole lot of Heisman Trophy votes out there, and not everybody uh, is going to be in a position to, uh, you know, give the same amount of eyes or the same amount of priorities as you do, college football fan, or as you do, college football analyst. So, what do we make of the collection of finalists that we have for the Heisman Trophy? I,
2: I think my number one takeaway is that Caleb Williams will, will win this in a runaway and that the second, third, and fourth place votes were. Um, we're pretty split up. In order to allow a guy like Stetson Bennett, I I think that that people are are more likely to take sort of creative or feel good liberties with their ballot when it comes to their second, third, and fourth place votes. Just second and third. Okay, second and third votes. I mean, and it's right?
0: tough. It is it is very sure. difficult to narrow all the way down to three.
2: Right, but like like you may say like okay, I'm going to throw Stetson Bennett in the third place. I'm going to I'm going to throw him a second place because I want to recognize. This guy. And I'm sure you're going to have some stodgy voters out there, by the way. Maybe this is Tom, right? Or maybe it's Chip, who like, I would never vote for a guy who put F-U-C-K-U-T-A-H on his nails. I'm sure you'll have a couple people out there who don't vote for Caleb or maybe like give Caleb a second or something like that because of of those antics. And where I I think most of us think it's hilarious because he actually has to, you know, back it up with his play on the field, right? It's not like he's just some, some fan who doesn't have any skin in the game. Um, but, like, I don't know. I, I, I think that – I think the voting's fine. I mean, we don't really remember – like, n- nobody, get, nobody remembers who got snubbed from the Heisman ceremony. We remember guys who got snubbed who should have won it. Next year, nobody will remember that Hendon Hooker didn't go. It's not, a, it's not a thing that we're going to spend more than one show
1: on, I don't think, right? No. So, t- Tennessee fans will remember forever. Right. Because that's just what they do. They got one that they remember for sure. Mm -hmm. But that's because he probably should have won the damn award. Oh, and they'll argue that Hendon should have won this award too. Um, I think, like, the entire process is designed, not designed, but by the way, it's designed, there's always going to be snubs because that's just it. Like, there are a lot of very good players. In college football. And in some years, some guys just kind of completely pull away. There's absolutely no question. You know, weeks ahead of time, this guy's going to win. But then there are years like this season where there wasn't really a guy that was from start to finish the clear cut Heisman winner. CJ Stroud was the favorite to start the year. He was up there all year. He gets there at the end as a finalist. But then the ballot comes. And in a year in which we were talking about the possibility of a two-loss team making the playoff until the very last day, which just is kind of an indication of how there wasn't a clear-cut anything this year, you're only allowed to vote for three guys. And there's always more than three guys who are worthy of being getting a Heisman vote or being a Heisman finalist. So no matter what, you're going to leave somebody out and somebody's going to get snubbed. Like, if you look, I'll just use the Big Ten first team and second teams. The Big Ten has Blake Corum, Muhammad Ibrahim, and Chase Brown. Only two of them can be on the first team. Illinois fans were so pissed off because Chase Brown was not all Big Ten first team running back. Well, it's not like the other two guys sucked. Somebody was going to get snubbed no matter what happened because there were only two spots, and that's the same thing with the Heisman. You want to argue that they should bring ten guys to the ceremony so that way everybody can feel involved? Fine. I don't care, but it's just, yeah, it, somebody's getting snubbed. There are a lot of good players. Hendon Hooker tore his ACL. His candidacy died then. And I'm sure other people at that point, there were probably some voters who just said, well, he's not going to win. So I'll just vote for somebody else to at least maybe get them a shot to get him to the finalist. I don't know. But yeah, that's how I feel.
2: So Tom's for playoff expansion or for Heisman expansion, but not for playoff No, expansion. I'm not for <laughs> Heisman expansion. I see how it is. So, no. When, when no. Illinois finishes 12th, it'd be like, the playoff expansion is great.
1: <laughs> no. No, I won't. Um, As long as Illinois wins the Big Ten, I won't care if they're in the playoff. But as far as Heisman expansion, no, I'm fine. I don't care. I voted for my three guys. Some of them are there. Some of them aren't. All right. Was it? Okay. Now that you guys cannot reveal your votes.
0: We We cannot reveal our votes until after the announcement on Saturday night.
2: What was your hardest vote? First, second, or third?
0: Slotting. uh, Like, I probably had... Slotting two and three. And like... Figuring out how to – yeah, figuring out how to slot two and three.
2: First was obvious for you, basically?
0: Yeah. Okay.
2: First was hard for me.
3: Hmm. Interesting.
1: Tom really does hate nail art. <laughs> oh, no, no,
3: that I, was easy. Once I saw that, I was disgusted. <laughs> no, um. Yeah, no, first Here's, was hard. Don't you think, though, for anybody that – like, I hate – personally, I hated it, the look for Caleb Williams. With the, like, I just didn't like it. I thought it was an awful look. Is that how you want to represent yourself? I am a, like, what about the kids? I am in that camp since I have them. But if you thought about changing your Heisman vote from that, you should lose your vote. Like, I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, yeah. It didn't impact my vote one bit. I just, the one thing that I did, and I it kind of felt like this was going to happen. And I think it's it's a product of our society. It's a product of what we see right in front of our face. And I felt I was guilty of this, too. So I want to make sure when I feel like I'm challenging everybody, I, like I have a little I have voters remorse or voters regret. OK. So there's there's a quarterback in New York who in the regular season threw 16 touchdowns and six interceptions. Like, that's insane. And I know he rushed for some, but they all rushed for some, right, to add to those totals. But that's kind of crazy when you think about it. Now, this is where, like, I do think there's an incredible recency bias where you can steal the award, you can steal the invite just from one performance, and it's supposed to be the best player in college football for the entire season, right? And I think that's all pretty clear-cut who it is. And I actually thought Caleb Williams – When he got hurt and he wasn't able to play the way he did all season long, I was like, well, that should explain. Like, that shows you his greatness because this team fell apart. Their offense wasn't the same. And it showed you, like, oh, okay, that's what he's meant to that team all season long. But then there's one side of this that I really don't like, and I feel like I might have just even made that mistake. You feel like you're trashing somebody to make the case for somebody else. Mm Mm-hmm. If, if Stetson Bennett's there for a lifetime achievement award or for the success he's had over two years and because he's done a great job, I don't have a problem with that either. I just, like kind of what Tom's saying, I do wish there was maybe this is a year, maybe you could have brought in five to give a guy like Hendon Hooker, who's done so much and had a spectacular year, if you could have brought him two. But, you know, hey, are we going to give a, You know, give out a trophy to everybody? There's got to be somebody who's left out. I think we have to be okay with that.
0: Well, my understanding is that it is a mathematical formula. They mm-hmm. look for a break in the voting points, and it's like three points for your first place, two points for your second place, one point for your first place. I mean, for your third place. And so they just add up all the points. All the players have points, and it, they look for wherever the clean break is. Sometimes there are five finalists, sometimes it's just three. This year it is four. And that means that the drop off was after whoever is fourth, whether that is Caleb Williams, Max Duggan, uh, CJ Stroud, or. Um, Stetson Bennett. There you uh, go.
1: So I do you, I could be wrong. I think they changed that policy this year. I think there's going to be four finalists no matter what. Oh, really? I oh. could be wrong if Jordan, if you can fact check me, I think I read that somewhere.
0: So are you um I got asked this question yesterday, and I I think that I I feel pretty confident in my response, but I, I love what you guys have to say here. Do you think that this is another chapter in it's just a quarterback award? Or do you think that when you're trying to list all the most outstanding players in college football that, you know, this is like, these are some of the most outstanding players in
3: college football. Who won it two years ago? Devonte Smith. Oh, but do, okay. <laughs> but do you remember? So here's what I was thinking about this morning too. Do you, And I remember, because I felt like McElroy, who I was doing the radio with at the time, had proposed this question and a lot of people were asking this. Who is the best player on Alabama's team? Because it was Mac Jones was the quarterback, right? And he was making a push. And everybody's like, well, wait a second. We've seen what Tua can do. Max just doing the same thing. Maybe it's not the quarterback. It's actually Devontae Smith. And then last year, you know, it feels like we went right back to kind of our old ways when Will Anderson doesn't get an invite and he doesn't even finish up there. And it's like, oh, all right, maybe we went back to this position. But Aiden Hutchinson was a finalist last yeah. year. Yeah, so maybe we're starting to change. Yeah. So but like just, just
1: one year, one year where there's no real clear cut, obvious choice all season long, and a bunch of quarterbacks end up and now suddenly it's a quarterback award again. The quarterback yeah. has always been the guy who wins this thing most often. This is just a year where there's only quarterback finalists. Who it's the first time in four years it's happened.
3: Bryce Young. Bryce Young. Bryce Young.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, so like my my, my thing is is the reason Hutchison was was there last year and, and not Will Anderson. Is that regionally the vote, like the the regional breakdown of voting matters? And Mm -hmm. like people are from outside the South are not going to put two guys from the same team on their Heisen ballot more often than not, right? So Will Anderson gets some thirds, some seconds, probably very little firsts, and Hutchinson gets, you know, on a decent number of ballots from the Midwest.
0: I think that the award is supposed to go to the most outstanding player in college football and it's easy to stand out when you have the ball in your hands every single yes. snap. Yeah. Also,
2: but I like, also like there's is, nobody like, deserving this year who's not a quarterback among the skill positions. Like it's not going to go to a lineman. Pijon. It's not going to go to a defensive guy.
3: They like, lost so four of, games. That's like so the then so then that's my problem too is like what does winning have to do with being the best player in the country? If he's so yeah. good, right? But like he can't if I'm play a voter defense, you know, he's like he's not he that Georgia defense, you know, like if you had other help around you. I do think, like, if you really wanted to look at who is the most outstanding player in college, it would open up a lot more options than we do. I'm well aware of what you're saying, Bud, and I agree. If like Bijan takes of the over family. the game against
2: Alabama, maybe, maybe he's got a shot. If Bijan takes over the game against TCU, maybe he's got a shot. But like, what other games did Texas lose? They lost four times, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Bijan. Yeah, now he had a nice game against Texas Tech, if I recall. Other than that, I mean, he wasn't big in
0: those losses. Right? Is Bijan the non-quarterback, Danny, that you feel like like has the best argument here?
3: Yeah, I think so. I think when and if you watch, like if you just watch games, you're like, oh, that guy's on a little bit of a different level than everybody else. But like to but like you, I don't think you can win with four losses. I mean, if we see what did does anybody ever like what was Lamar Jackson's record? He was. They they only had they were eight and four. Did get that high? Yeah, I thought they they lost four times that year. Maybe nine and three. They,
1: they might have been nine and three. I think they, they lost won. the ball game and they finished nine and three. He was another R2 one that might have had
3: multiple losses, mm-hmm. but typically, like people think, like Bud, like if you're that good, you've got to win games. But sometimes it's a lot more than that. You in know? the playoff era, B's, you need to be solidly in the playoff race to win it, right? Or you and, need to have just
1: stupid numbers. Yep. Bijan against Alabama, hundred thirty total yards receiving and rushing, one touchdown. Bijan against Oklahoma State 181 yards, two touchdowns. Bijan against Kansas State 243 yards, one touchdown. Kansas isn't going to count as a big game, but he had four touchdowns in that game. I mean, there were only two but he was games shut this down year against TCU, right? Yeah, TCU he did nothing. He had 29 yards.
3: No Which touches. it does. It's kind of crazy because all it takes is one game. Like, and that's that's what the that's what happened to Hooker. Game. Yeah, one yeah. game. He was yeah. the
1: greatest thing on the world, and then he had one game, and everybody just kind of poof, get rid of him. And what what's what's Bijan's moment? Oftentimes, you need a Heisman moment, right? Mm-hmm. With
2: Caleb Williams, I think we can all see it's throwing ridiculous passes against UCLA, and Notre Dame on national television, mm-hmm. and the fact that they're leading seventeen to nothing, right? Yeah. When he gets hurt. He gets nicked up just a little bit, and that team falls to pieces.
0: He was also kind of a magician against Notre Dame in oh, the yeah. regular season finale. That was right. like UCLA, Notre Dame, beginning of the Pac-12 title. That's what kind of powered that. I would throw Corum into the conversation if we're going to go non-quarterbacks. I bet when we see the final voting, I bet that he's going to show up on a couple of uh, second. You know third. what I
3: think hurts him, though? Is Donovan They're Edwards stepped schedule. right in mm-hmm. and, like oh, did yeah. the same exact thing. Like It's almost like – and I, that's – that's where I look at Stetson Bennett. I'm like, another like, and I did see somebody propose the question: like, what if Hendon Hooker was in Georgia's offense and Stetson Bennett was in Tennessee's offense? Would they have been anywhere similar? And I think Hendon Hooker absolutely would have had a ton of success at Georgia. I think Stetson Bennett would have put up better numbers, but I don't know if he's leading, you know, Tennessee to a 10-win season. Also, I really like Blake Corum.
1: I think he's gonna be a very good NFL player, and I think he had a great year. But if you just look at yards per game, scrimmage yards, not just rushing, rushing and receiving. These are the power five players he finished behind in yards per game. Zach Charbonnet, Bijan Robinson, Chase Brown, Mo Ibrahim, Izzy Abadakonda, Iban- Raheem Sanders, Deuce Vaughn, Eric Gray, Quinshawn Dug- Judkins, and Devin A. Chain. They all finished ahead of Corum as far as yards per game. He was helped by playing for Michigan as far as the Heisman conversation went. Yes. But what's Michigan crazy? Schedule that Corum actually played was a joke.
3: If you and it, So much of this, though, is timing. <laughs> like, and, and you know... Our resident Vols in the chat lighten us up. If Tennessee played Bama last or second to last and and that and just everything mm-hmm. the same, like if they had lost to Georgia in week two and then flipped it, the game that he got hurt was the South Carolina. and even lost to South Carolina early, but he beat Bama late in November. He might have won it.
1: Also, like He'd definitely be there. Even changes, even change the subject a little bit as far as timing. We are talking about before LSU lost to Texas A&M. If it had beaten A&M and beaten Georgia, people were saying it was going to be in the playoff because it was a two-loss team and it had beaten Georgia, as if there haven't been other two-loss teams that beat a number-one-ranked team during the regular season who never even got considered for the playoff before.
0: Mm. Uh, speaking of individual accolades, before we keep things moving right here, the CBS Sports All-America team has been released A couple notables. Caleb Williams did end up getting that QB1 spot on the list. Uh, The running backs are Blake Corum and Bijan Robinson. Marvin Harrison Jr. is the only offensive player who was unanimous on the first team. He is joined at wide receiver by Jalen Hyatt. Uh, Michael Mayer gets the tight end nod. On the defensive side of the football, uh, Will Anderson Jr., unanimous at the linebacker position. Uh, you also see Jalen Carter show up on the defensive line. And then in the defensive backfield, I mean, you know you got to have some Iowa love. Jack Campbell at linebacker, Kavion Mer- Merriweather at defensive back, Brian Branch at Alabama. Uh, any big take? Oh, also of note, the Big Ten. 10 first team selections. SEC. Second among all power conferences, among all conferences with five total selections. When you include the second team, Big Ten, 20 SEC, 12. Uh, nobody else had more than 10 total selections. Nobody else had more than five first team selections. The Big Ten dominates first team and second team. the CBS Sports All-America list. Anything stand out uh, as notable, snub, anything catch your eye about this group?
2: I mean, I think the, the lack of SEC players on there is, is warranted. Like, I would have Brock Bowers over Michael Mayer. I, I just think he's that much better of a player, although I know Mayer was, was more heavily used. So I, I understand the vote there. I'm not saying it's a bad vote. I do think Brock Bowers, you know, is, is a really, really good player. But I, I, I tweeted this uh, yesterday before the flight home from Nashville because we were doing our 24-7 Sports Transfer Portal show. 2019 LSU beats this year's 2019 All-SEC team, right? Oh, like this, when the All-SEC team came out, that's what you tweeted? It was, it was terrible. Like, I'm looking at this. I'm like, like, here's your All-SEC team. You tell me, would you rather have this team or would you rather have 2019 LSU? Hinton Hooker, Quinshot Judkins, uh, J- Roll Miss, Devin A-Chain, Jalen Hyatt, Antoine Wells at South Carolina, Brock Bowers, Osiris Torrance, Warren McClendon, Darnell Wright, Amelia Cure, Ricky Stromberg, Devin A-Chain is your all-purpose back. I think the D line is especially weak, honestly. Jalen Carter's a stud. Derek Hall, I don't think is like a top pick or anything like that. Like he's that's more of like a career achievement thing, in, in my opinion. He's a good player, but he's not like if he was that good, he would have gone pro last year, right? B.J. Ojolari, Byron Young, Will Anderson, Drew Sanders are great edge rushers. Henry Toe Toe, honestly, shouldn't be on the first team. Like a, a, that's just more of like a name recognition thing from the writers, I think. George's freshman is who's a finalist for the best linebacker award. Didn't even make this list. Emmanuel Forbes, Chris Smith, Kool-Aid, McKinstry, and Jordan Battle. I mean, it may be a little tongue-in-cheek to say 2019 LSU beats that squad, but I think prior years of the All-SEC team beat the crap out of this year's All-SEC team. This, this SEC was not a good year. This is probably the worst SEC in two decades. It's a bad year for the league. Yeah, it's not a like, it's still the best league by my power ratings by a, a yes a little bit and it's always the best league like literally like like for the past fifteen years it's always been the best but some years it's the best by a ton and this some year years, not it's so best much by a little bit and this yeah. year it's by a little bit yeah, the big SEC West champion had
0: that. two conference losses
2: right exactly
0: you know mm-hmm. you you just like it, it was Georgia and then there, there was a big drop drop off Georgia was awesome and Georgia also suffers from the you can't put everybody from Georgia on there. Like Georgia, so uh, deep and
2: rotates so. Before often. the Georgia fans correct me, Dumas Johnson is a first-year starter, not not a freshman. I, I misspoke. I was reading off a lot of names.
0: Um, any any other thoughts? By the way, I should be released in a little bit.
1: You oh, didn't. Oh okay. You didn't mention which schools had the most players on the team. You mentioned the conference, but who were the two schools who had four players? Um,
0: I'm gonna guess it's Illinois because I know that <laughs> Witherspoon, Chase Brown, uh. Off the top yeah, of my head.
1: Alex Kelczewski and Johnny Newton. Yeah. Illinois and Ohio State tied for the most players. Just I like throwing that I like out the, there. The recognition of Ivan Pace.
2: You know, yes. There are there are First some T5 guys that will get drafted and, and he, he's a total stud.
0: Um, yeah. I mean that was easy. The the linebacker position went really fast when I was filling out my ballot.
3: There it is. I was waiting for degenerate Spartan to point it out. CBS taking the big ten. Big Ten bias. Okay. Oh, right. yeah. so listen,
0: my bias sure. can be bought.
3: Yeah. The <laughs> NFL draft
0: have uh, have Big
2: Ten That's,
3: bias? What, what, watch this year? Because the got the team to <laughs> ain't getting picked high. <laughs> That's what I'm curious to see is the draft. Is there, you know, is that gap gonna start to close a little bit?
1: Um I I will say I didn't I mean the only thing about this our first and second teams that kind of made me mad made me feel like somebody who was mad that Stetson Bed is a Heisman finalist. Olu Oluwatimi was not a first or second team center, wow. and, and I don't have anything against John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota or USC's uh, Brett Nealon, who are both good players. Oluwatimi's a stud, though. Oluwatimi's the best center in the country, and the second best center in the country wasn't on the team either. That's, that's Oregon's Alex Forsyth. So the two best centers in the country were not on either of our all America teams.
0: But the centers that are are good. They're like good, but they're, they're not yeah, the best. They're not egregious. They're
1: you know, not they, the best.
0: The way it's filled, like we, we get all these uh, you know, offensive line. If we could fill up our offensive line with other centers and not have the centers all rule each other out, then you know, we would be able to give out more right? because I think that I would power rank them ahead of some of the offensive line. But it's, it's tough. It's tough to fill out this thing. Again, uh, cbssports.com to check out the full list and our CBS Sports Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, and True Freshman of the Year uh, that will be posted a little bit later today. You want to know who it is?
1: No, I want to be surprised. Okay. Wait, the True Freshman of the Year? Yes. Is it EJ Warner? No. Wait, is it true freshman or is it just any freshman? Is it's Judkins
3: not- a true or no? hes did he reach? Is <laughs> Judkins? He's a true. Yeah, yeah. A three-star
0: prospect out of Alabama showed up in a running back room with TCU's best running back and SMU's best running back, and by mid-season, that boy was running for twenty-five times a game for about a buck fifty per game. Quinshawn Judkins is our freshman of the year. Dude is an absolute
3: stud. And did you see Lane in the cold, all alone in the bleachers, is the only coach who was watching him? You guys have seen that picture, right? Yes. Yeah. Because you know, it wasn't watching
2: Brian Harson. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Um, it is true. Do we have, we might have some sirens like in the middle of this right now. What's happening? You see your you see those sirens. Yeah, would that be sirens, or is this just the? um, According to Chris Lowe at ESPN, Jeff Brom and Louisville football are in the process of finalizing a deal to bring Brom back to his alma mater as head coach. Sources tell ESPN the deal would be for six years in the thirty-five million dollar range. Brom has been at Boiler Football for the past six seasons. So let's there you go. We'll hit the break and then come back with uh, with more coaching news. All right. Coming up on the other side, it's looking like Jeff Brom will be making his return to Louisville. What does that mean for the Cardinals? And what does that mean for Purdue? It's an emergency podcast in a podcast. Emergency podcast inception. All that and more.
1: Next. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half.
0: Peloton is not just about bikes and treadmills. It's about a team of instructors ready to motivate you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Maybe you are trying to pack up your boxes to quickly get from West Lafayette, Indiana, back to Louisville, Kentucky. And, you know, you're on a time crunch How are you, Jeff Brom, going to be able to get in that workout? Well, with Peloton, there are literally thousands of classes ranging from strength training to yoga to running to boxing. It's Peloton; it has the perfect non-judgmental space to experiment with new types of movement at a level and pace that feels good for you. It doesn't matter if you only have five minutes. Or if you've got an entire hour, it doesn't matter if you're trying to sneak it in as an early riser or if you like that evening burn, there's always a Peloton class that fits into your day. Maybe it's just a 10 minute upper body stretch. Maybe it's a 30 minute run before bed. Peloton is where you'll find what works for you on your schedule, wherever you happen to be. And the community is fantastic. You can link up with different instructors that you like. You can pick different music that you like. The music is iconic and you can see that leaderboard. You can see those users. Tom, Danny, what have we been getting into uh, in the Peloton community?
1: Well you know with with Thanksgiving and conference championship games the last couple of weeks I have not been able to do the bike nearly as often and it's funny because I was able to get I've gotten back on it the last couple of days as things have slowed down and oh my God, it is funny how much harder it is after you've been off. You go from riding it every day to riding it a couple times a week, and it gets much worse. But it's nice to be back on, and thank God. As long as the rides, I did a thirty-minute power zone endurance ride with Matt Wilpers yesterday. Get the get the blood flow and get the juices going again. But thankfully, they also provide post ride stretch classes because man, would I be sore than hell without those things. Thank God. I see. I was never a person who stretched before or after a workout. But now that, you know, you start getting older, you realize, oh, no, there's a reason you stretch before and after workout or else it'll keep you from being incredibly sore. So thank you to Peloton for those post-ride stretches. They've taught me so much about how not to hurt myself.
3: They got everything you need. I think the best thing you said there, Chip, was about the time that's offered because sometimes you only got five minutes. They got a five-minute stretch post-class. They have hour yoga classes, too. Like if you really want to go deep on it, my favorite thing, I've been traveling a lot. The hotel where I stay as a Peloton, I just signed into my account. All my followers are right there. The people I compete with when I beat Tom, I can still see it. So you don't miss a beat. <laughs> uh-huh.
2: I, and the chat's asking me about, do I Peloton? I don't Peloton yet. I need to, though, because like, I got to tell you. So I, I got off the plane last night, right, and went right to the softball field from, from my Uber and, and changed. Didn't have time to stretch. We beat the team that had all new players come two weeks ago that had beat us like 34 to three. Two weeks ago, because they everybody shows up in their travel softball jerseys like that. Hey, you guys are a lot better than you used to be. This is surprising. <laughs> uh, pull off kind of a miracle with a couple of very helpful uh, double play slash left the bag early calls, and uh, I think I kind of hurt my hip on my trip to Nashville, but it was it was it was barking at me. I I, I don't stretch. I'm getting older. Like I, I need to stretch. I need to Peloton.
0: You've got that stretch class with Peloton because Peloton is motivation that moves you anytime, anywhere. Try the Peloton bike or tread risk-free for 30 days, but you can try it with no risk for 30 days. Go to OnePeloton.com. That's O-N-E-P-E-L-O-T-O-N.com. New members only. Terms apply. Again, Go to OnePeloton.com to try the Peloton bike or tread risk-free for 30 days. When you see those sirens in your feed, you know exactly what that means. Uh, We have more coaching news. As Chris Lowe at ESPN is reporting that Jeff Brom and Louisville are in the process of finalizing a deal to bring Brom back home. He is a Louisville native. Uh, He played at Louisville. He was an assistant coach at Louisville. And, you know, before the hire of Scott Satterfield, it was very much he was on the wish list for the Cardinals. He elected to stay at Purdue where he has delivered some huge recruiting wins where he has led the Boilermakers to one of their biggest wins in program History that 2018 victory over Ohio State, Rondale Moore, David Bell, explosive offenses all the time. Charlie Jones had a fantastic year this season, and he got Purdue to the Big Ten championship game. So now he is going to Louisville. What do we make of the hire first from the Louisville side?
1: How happy are Louisville fans right now? Jeez, Extremely he's happy. traded Scott Satterfield <laughs> for Jeff Brom. Yeah like they were the reaction to Satterfield leaving earlier this week was Louisville fans were like helping him to the door, packing his bags and showing him, you know, remember the airport's only 15 minutes away. They were showing him the way to Cincinnati and now they get the guy they wanted originally when they ended up with Satterfield. Like, If you're a Louisville fan, You've got to be very excited about this, and for good reason, because Brom had six very successful seasons at Purdue. It was a good team in the Big Ten. It got to the Big Ten West championship game this year. It had good offenses. It has produced NFL players' first-round picks in the last couple of years, and now he's coming home to do the same thing there. So I think if you're Louisville, there's no reason not to be happy. You've got a coach who wants to be there, and you've got a coach that has a history of uh, success. I mean, I, I think they're extremely happy. They clearly wanted to do this
2: in prior years. Brahm mm-hmm. is the native son of Louisville. He played there. He grew up there. It's always been who the power players at Louisville wanted to go higher. I don't know that the AD wanted Satterfield out, but I do know that that the brokers, the power guys, the money guys at Louisville definitely did. That's why Scott Satterfield took the Cincinnati job, okay? Louisville has a great thing going right now. They are serious players in the NIL game. They are recruiting better than they ever have due to the NIL money that is flowing in there. You don't leave that, if you're Scott Satterfield, if you don't think you're going to get fired in a year or two. You go, you restart your clock, you get six guaranteed years from Cincinnati, even though Cincinnati's NIL stuff apparently is nothing to be spoken of at this point. Jeff Brom, in my opinion, has kind of maximized what you can do at Purdue. And I don't want to speak negatively. He's done a great job at Purdue. But the moment the Big Ten does away with divisions, whether that's in one year or three years, or whenever UCLA and USC join, they got the Board of Regents meeting coming up for, for UCLA. We'll see if UCLA is even allowed to go. Uh, is the moment that Purdue probably adds about a half loss per year additionally within conference to their schedule because of, of the division that they are in. I think he has maximized Purdue uh, to about as good as anybody can do, right? And that's one of the best Purdue runs in my lifetime. Louisville has real potential with the divisionless ACC going forward. You don't have to play Clemson, FSU, NC State every single year. You're going to get a couple more shots at like a, you know, a Duke, Pitt. Although Pitt's been pretty good, you know, the schools like that. Louisville's clearly w- willing to spend, and also who you can recruit at these schools could not be more different. Okay, Louisville, you can get in anybody. Like like I'm not, and I'm a Florida State grad. So is Danny. I know FSU's better academically now than it was we when understand we understand Purdue's there. struggles getting guys in. Yeah. Purdue's, a, <laughs> Purdue's like an academic school. Yeah. You know, I mean, Purdue, you have actual admission standards in the recruiting class. You're going to get some exemptions, but there are some guys you just can't take at Purdue. Liberty, if it's like, all right, 20 core, couple, couple, you know, you, you, you took the SAT? Louisville? I, I think I said Liberty. Excuse me. Louisville? Yeah, you're in. Cool. So it's the opportunity to win a lot more. You get the NIL game. You can recruit a wider base of player and a more talented player than you can at Purdue. And I think it's going to be rare to see a Big Ten coach leave for a non-Power 2 job. But mm-hmm. Louisville has a lot of booster money that many ACC and you know Big 12, Pac-12 schools don't
0: actually have. I was kind of prepared to hear that Louisville wasn't going to be able to run the number up. And like six thirty-five, if that's you know that's what low is reporting right now, I, I don't know I don't know if there's other like emotions or conversations that were happening behind the scenes, but felt like Purdue might have been able to match that. I don't know. It's yeah. No, it this is. is
1: go ahead. This is like a hometown kind of discount.
3: Yeah,
0: because he could probably make eighty a year. If Purdue wanted to back up the especially big with money.
3: the new TV money that's coming mm-hmm. in, yeah. dropping the bucket. They were like, Eight, hey, sure, you want 10? Like, we can throw that in. I mean, to me, I think this is a huge get for Louisville. I think it's huge for the ACC because I thought it would look rough that Satterfield, even though, you know, he's going to Cincinnati. It's like, ooh, that, that just, if you're Jim Phillips, you kind of watching the landscape to see what's happening. Now you're getting a guy to come back that I just, this infuses some life. I totally agree with Bud. When you're saying about he's maximized what he's done, and I'm sure he's probably aware of that. Like, all right, we just made it. We just won our division. We we got to play for a Big Ten title, but you've and you've you've pulled off some upsets, which have been great. I mean, they're the spoiler makers for a reason, but to sustain that, like, and I think your your drop off your your floor is a lot lower at Purdue in a bad year, which your floor at Louisville should be a bowl team. You know, six or seven wins should be the worst case scenario for you at Louisville. So yeah, and it was mentioned in the though. chat like that Braum only
1: went 36 and 34. Purdue I mean, in the four years before he got there was nine and 39. So yeah. it's it, it to, to dismiss what he's done because of the overall record is widely is very wide of the actual point in the context of what happened there. And and four bowls in five non-COVID years mm-hmm. at Purdue is,
2: is remarkably good. the The question that Jeff Brom I think one of the reasons why he's leaving, other than the fact that like Louisville's his home, and he's openly said that he'd be interested in coming back to Louisville before, right? Whether he knew that was going to get out or not is a, a, a different question. Here's the question he doesn't want to hear. All right, let's say, and Danny's right that they probably have a drop off coming because sustaining nine and three, eight and four at Purdue is is not not doable unless you just have a joke of a non-conference every year. Let's say he did sustain it. He's going to have boosters ask him, Jeff, how do we get to the next level? Eventually, your donors, if they're giving you money, they want to see improvement. It's really hard to tell these guys, you need to pay me a whole lot of money because I'm maxing you guys out. There is no next level. These dudes who are rich enough to donate a lot to schools but not rich enough to own an NFL team, they want to actually believe that they can win the Big Ten when you can't at Purdue, right? It's just not not doable in the college ball landscape. That's going to eventually lead to people getting tired of you. And then when you have one down year, like Danny mentioned, it's going to come, they're going to be like, oh, can this guy still coach? And eventually, at first they celebrate you maximizing, and then they, they, they kind of lose sight of the fact that you are maximizing, and then they get tired of you when you slip up one time.
0: Yeah, six seasons is a lot. In the modern tenure.
3: Mm -hmm. And if you like at Purdue, realistically, and we've talked a lot about this, once they do away with the divisions, you're going to have Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. When USC joins, like those are the clear cut top four teams. So it's kind of like a race for fifth.
0: And Matt Rule just got hired at Nebraska.
3: Right. So it's going to just got hired. Illinois has four players on the All America team. (laughs)
0: Illinois has four (laughs) four players on the All America team. But
3: in the ACC, it's been Clemson. And I know Florida State looks better. But there's no there's no like stranglehold on the top three spots or four spots like in even Miami, like traditionally, yes, but they were a mess this past season. So you're like, why can't we just challenge Clemson? Like you can go instantly, you can become competitive, Florida State, you know, Clemson, whoever you want, I think, and you can see that. you can picture that in your mind. Hey, why not? We're at Purdue, Yeah, we might be able to beat Penn State if we go things go perfectly, but t- to get to the level where we have beaten all of them, uh, it's, a, it's a lot tougher ask.
0: So what about, what's next for Purdue?
1: Sean Lewis signed that contract to Colorado yet? Ooh. Because that's just a higher, like to me, as soon as, before Lewis got announced as the Colorado O.C. or that broke, when we, as soon as Louisville came open, Sean Lewis, once I figured, because I thought Brom was gone as soon as that happened, I thought Sean Lewis was the most logical replacement for him at West Lafayette. But I don't know, we'll see.
2: Yeah, I mean, Sean Lewis would make sense. Um, Kevin Sumlin's a Purdue alum. I don't know if you want to go down that road, given how mm-hmm. things went at Arizona. I think most people in the industry thought that he should have sat out a year after the end of A&M and maybe kind of regrouped, got, got stuff together. I don't know. Maybe he has it more together now, um, and he'd be ready to coach again. But he, he, is, he, he did go to Purdue. So, um, look, they're going to have interest because you get rich mm-hmm. at Purdue. Like, Purdue, to me, is kind of a paycheck job. The The money is the best thing about it, not the ability to win. So you will have a lot of interest. What you have to do, though, is sort through the guys who are just in it for the money versus the guys who think they can actually maximize. They're going to embrace the grind of, of not being able to recruit every guy you want and trying to compete
1: as a, a clear underdog in the new Big Ten. Is there anything? Ooh. you think there are any coaches out there right now who have already accepted jobs who might be regretting it? Now that Purdue's come open, because I mean, a Big Ten job, like you just said, it's a lot of money there.
2: Yeah, I mean, it said set, it sets your your family up for generations mm-hmm. if if you get it like a guaranteed five year eight million dollar deal. You know, Who, un- he, Uncle Sam's
3: he, taking a cut, but still, if you I'm invest like, it right. But if you're like or, or, like if you're Tom Herman, he, maybe he knew the landscape better than we did, and we assumed there were great offers out there, and there weren't. So maybe you might regret it and be like, "Ooh, I wish I could have had that one," but. I don't know if he's one that would have gone there. It's F-A. a great retread job, because yeah, like like if
2: you're somebody looking to jump up, most of the time when you get Purdue, you don't get hired out of Purdue, you get fired out of Purdue. Jeff Brom is the absolute exception. Like not a lot of guys go from being
1: Purdue's coach to hired out. Nick's you know, already on the phone. Nick's already on the phone with Purdue's AD, telling him how great Bill O'Brien is. Uh, what about? Uh, they'll try to place him there. I bet. What about, yeah. what about Dan Mullen? That I could see, because I mean it is. Purdue just to, traditionally, like from the Joe Tiller era, which was the best era that they'd really ever had in the modern, you know, college football until Jeff Brom. Like this has always been kind of a spread you out, you know, in conflict with what the rest of the Big Ten generally is. They are quote unquote the kind of renegade, and that Ohio State runs it, but Ohio State's got so much more talent than you do. Purdue is the one team that's kind of been trying to run the spread in the Big Ten for twenty something years now. I, know the I chat would love saying to see Jason Candle. I. I
2: to me that that would be a horrendous fit because he does the least with the most in, in the in the Mac. And like there's no evidence he's a good coach with lesser players.
3: Dan Mullen does make some sense. Yeah. But like, I, he is so happy doing TV. Yeah, and he's like, so good. Let yeah. me just so really good. At it. He's good. I he's happy. Well, I talked to him last week and he was like, I look at coaches and I can't tell who won the game. And like he, he I think he's putting himself back in that spot. Like, where's the enjoyment? And he's still probably making a boatload, right, from Florida. Mm-hmm. You know a guy know, I can see
2: work there is Willie Fritz. Oh. oh, man, don't make me have to really get to Willie Fritz once a year. A <laughs> little, little, little bit of an oddball scheme. Has had to recruit at
0: an academic school. Knows how to evaluate players. What about So the chat was asking about Dave Clawson. My Dave Clawson line, and I've not checked in on this recently, is that after... Only staying in one place for like four years out of no more than four years for almost his entire career, the fact that he has not only settled down at Wake Forest but built consistency especially a good relationship with that booster base and that community sure seems like he he doesn't want to have to start over like he did at so many different places throughout his career. Not that he's specifically going to retire there, but that you know he, it, it's going to take something that might be very convincing now Purdue has a truck full of money that could be very convincing. He's had to identify a unique type of player to be able to deal with the academic restrictions at Wake Forest. Purdue would be nothing that would intimidate him on that front. Do you think that that would be one that, uh, that Purdue would, would Purdue have that high on the list or is that on the list just based on uh, some of his experience and success with the Demon Deacons?
1: I think he should be higher on your list. Like yeah, he's a great football coach. Yeah. I, I think that that's somebody that you would definitely want to be, you know, like if you're putting together a board, I think Dave Clausen should probably be on it. If you are any real power five job right now, honestly, he's done a tremendous job there.
0: Any other names that uh you, you would pick up the phone and call, and make them say no? Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer, Dion Sanders. Hey, Dion. <laughs> You know, you did say Sean
3: Lewis like you. We have seen coaches spend two weeks on a staff and leave for oh, a better sure, job. So like, I, but you know. know what? This is a weird thing
1: because like, we haven't really seen like it used to be. You wanted a Big Ten head coaching job one day, you just got a Mac job, and you went to you had a good couple seasons, and then you would end up getting a Big Ten job. And that kind of is like dried out in recent years. And I think part of it is it's a side effect of the financial gap. Because if you look at what Sean Lewis was making at Kent State, I think it was about 400. It was like, yeah, in like 500,000 area. Yeah. The average Big Ten coach right now is making, what, five, six million? Mm -hmm. So, like, you're you're taking a coach and you're going to give him 10 times as much as he was making, or you're going to give him what would be a kind of, you know, normal raise, but then now he's very much below paid compared to everybody else in the conference. And I think it just makes it a lot harder now for big 10 teams. And I think sec teams are gonna do the same thing. It makes it a lot harder to hire head coaches from smaller schools where the salaries are so different. You kind of need to do like what we've seen the Matt rules, now Dan Mullen's name getting mentioned. You need to hire big name guys who've had jobs elsewhere. So I don't know. I mean, I think that's part of the reason Sean Lewis is taking the OC gig at Colorado. I think he views that as a much clearer path
3: to a head coaching job at a Power 5 right now. Do they also surprise, his quarterback
2: and and his top two receivers hit the portal? Yes. Do they so, surprise like, a couple
3: good names in the chat that, you know, had been mentioned, Brian Hartline interviewed with Cincinnati or or Jim Leonard who says he's not going to stay at Wisconsin? Are those names? Like do you think they would take a risk or they want to go
0: I'll say based on timing, Jim Leonard just announced last night that he is not going to be staying with Wisconsin beyond 2022, as previously reported. Did a little birdie get in his ear Mm. and tell him that Purdue might be opening up soon?
3: Did he? I I was not clear on. Did Leonard say he was going to stay on with Fickle or just through the bowl? There was like a report. He did
0: not say, but it was reported that Leonard had committed to be Fickle's DC, and then he notes apt us. And, you know,
3: then it's a little more interesting if he did, if he said you know, if there were reports he was going to stay for the entire, you know, for the fickle era and he backed out, then it does seem a little bit like the timing is.
1: I, I can't rule it out because I thought Dion to Colorado was an incredibly strange fit and that ended up <laughs> happening anyway. But Jim Leonard to Purdue to me just seems kind of completely different than what they typically look for in their head coach, like a defensive coordinator. I just, I'm not saying he wouldn't do well there or that he should, they shouldn't consider him. It would just surprise me if that's the direction Purdue went.
2: Dion to Colorado had Colorado, not like totally flipped his position on allowing transfers in academically would have been a terrible fit. Like Dion mm-hmm. would get run out of Colorado under, under the, the restrictions that Carl Durrell had to deal with academically in two to three years. Okay. Like, you're not going to beat out Georgia and a bunch of those guys for big-time transfers. You're going to be taking sort of some cast-offs from guys who couldn't start because they were blocked, some guys who got dismissed due to behavior or academics, and you can get them into Colorado. That's how you flip the Colorado roster. Like, I don't think you were wrong to think it was a strange fit based on what everybody knew about Colorado and the restrictions under which Carl Durrell and the past staffs had to work with as far as accepting transfers academically. Like, I, I think you were right about that. What changed was that Colorado said, hey, we're going to scrounge together a bunch of money and we're going to let you take whoever you want to take here academically.
1: And then with the Heartline suggestion, I don't know. I mean, Heartline, maybe he's the OC at Ohio State next, or yeah, maybe. Because,
0: and I wanted to get to it. We'll, we'll probably save transfer portal rankings for Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern yeah. Time, just because, I mean, this is huge breaking news. And we do have some other coaching carousel pieces to this, including Kevin Wilson being the new uh, head coach at Tulsa. I would imagine that Heartline is in line. Heartline is in line for a promotion.
1: He's on Heartline.
3: Um, Drew Brees. Is, Drew Brees. Is, is he okay? If, is is he all We're right? gonna use <laughs>
2: <laughs> the, the, the the points bet lightning parlay. Same game parlay presented points by bet. Coach Brees.
1: Points bet nil. Will that work? Can we do that? <laughs> or?
0: It is in India. We do have legal sports gambling in Indiana.
3: Yeah. So I'm yeah. right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the legal states.
3: I mean, that would be the uh, that's the Jeff Saturday hire, right? Yeah, that was one of the four. Wasn't that one of the four things they said could not be an nil, but like they can't really enforce it? Gambling. Yeah, I think that was like they're not allowed. They're not supposed to. But like, what? Are the Somebody's gonna say, "Dare, like, go ahead, you know, try me." I think they can enforce that.
2: They could. Well, here's the thing, though. Like, you you, you can. You can beat the rap, but you can't be, beat the ride. Well, as you're suing the NCAA to be able to take the money, you're probably still having to sit out. And these players all have just four years of, of college eligibility. You know That's why a lot of them won't challenge the Claret rule. Because, yeah, you might win legally, but you're not going to get those eligibility years back, and that's your career you're playing around with.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, <clears throat> so other uh, coaching carousel moves. Uh, we mentioned Sean Lewis, the sitting head coach, at Kent State, leaves that job to go become the offensive coordinator at Deion Sanders, a, a pay raise likely associated with that.
1: You UNLV- well, hold, on, hold on, you just said he went to be the offensive coordinator at Deion Sanders, <laughs> which shows that Dion's plan is already, already working. working. It's no yeah. longer the University of Colorado. It is, it Deion, is Deion Sanders. Sanders.
0: <laughs> DSU uh, in Boulder, Colorado, the Deion Sanders' is. Deion here comes Dion riding Ralphie. So Dion hires Sean Lewis, uh, UNLV after the local paper puts out a, you know, it's, do you want coach? O? who was the second option that they threw on there? They like put out a poll.
1: Well, there's coach. O's Gary Patterson. I don't know who was on the poll, but these are the names that were like getting flown out that I'd heard in recent, like just and any then kind- Sure
0: enough, it's Arkansas defensive coordinator, Barry Odom, former Missouri head coach, uh, which you know, we I would like to hear the the take on that, and then of course Kevin Wilson to Tulsa. Those were the big head coaching moves uh, that it all happened as of last night, prior to today's breaking news of Jeff Brom to Louisville. So what about Barry Odom going to UNLV? I, I kind of feel like it's like well, good for Barry Odom. Not sure about UNLV and how I'm adjusting expectations based on the arrival of Barry Odom.
1: I thought. Like, I thought Arroyo was doing a good job. I thought that they were improving, they were turning in the right direction. So, when they made that move, and this is nothing against Barry Odom, but I thought there was like a bigger name in mind than Barry Odom. You know what I mean? I thought they had something mm-hmm. that they were planning to do. Oh, Chris Peterson.
0: That was it. They put out a poll. The Review Journal put out a poll that was like, do you want Ed Orgeron or Chris Peterson? UNLV fans, vote away. And after introducing Chris Peterson, who was one of the winningest coaches. Who the the hell ever thought Chris Peterson would take
1: the UNLV job?
0: Or Ed Orgeron, who won a national championship. They were like, and you know who it is? It's Barry Odom. Let me tell you about the values of Drop 8 and the Mountain West and how it's going to work.
2: I mean, look, he did a fine job at Missouri. I guess they, they, they never really got the offense right enough. Uh, do you remember how we talked about what eventually the, the conversation was going to be like with Braum and the boosters and how they, they didn't recognize that the quality of job being done there after a while, after giving you credit for it at first, eventually they're going to want to see more. I think Arkansas will get to that spot with Sam Pittman. Ooh. Right. I mean, eventually, like to me in the SEC, Arkansas making bowl games, you know, 7-5, seven, 8-4 seven are excellent years for Arkansas, personally. I'm not a person who thinks Arkansas should win 9-10 games. They don't recruit at that level to justify that expectation, and other teams that they have to face on an annual basis do. So if you're Barry Odom, you've been getting a lot of credit for how well Arkansas has played defense for two of the last three years. This year was a challenge. You want to get back into head coaching? Did a reasonable job at Missouri? I, I understand it. I, I think they fired Arroyo because their really big booster there didn't like the hire in the first place because the AD that the big booster supported was not the guy who hired Arroyo, right? She's gone. She's actually now the AD at – where did UNLV's AD go? Missouri, I think? So the the person who hired Arroyo is now elsewhere, and the AD that hired Arroyo was not the one that was backed by the big booster from how it was expressed to me. So Arroyo was not looked at as the – like the guy that was supported by the big money boot booster there. If you got a lot of money at these G five programs, you are essentially the NFL owner. You, you call the shots like the AD has a title, but they don't really get to make the decisions. But, but
1: Barry Odom's the guy that big money booster wanted. I don't I know. Mean, on that. That's what I'm saying. It's like, you got polls with Chris Peterson. Ed Orgeron, the Gary Patterson's name. I had heard Brian Harson's name floated. It's like I thought they wanted somebody who was like a proven kind of head coach with Mountain West experience. Blah blah blah. And again, Barry Oda might work out great for UNLV. They might win a whole bunch of games. It was just I was very surprised that that's where they ended. It's a tough job though. Like uh, from the outside, when we go to Vegas, right?
2: We don't drive past UNLV unless we stop in and, and see them. Like I, I stopped in and saw them over the summer. If you're taking recruits to UNLV from the airport you're taking like the 30 minute drive around. So you don't have to go through the really rough part of town that the straight shot from the airport is to get to UNLV, right? It's also a really expensive city to have fun in. If you are an 18 to 21 year old kid, Mm -hmm. right? Like, so it's, it's harder to recruit to UNLV than you think it would be just based on like Vegas, right? Um,
0: I always thought that that was the NIL opened up the opportunity for Las Vegas to be able yeah. to rally around UNLV in a way where it only takes a few people trying to hide money to be able to like very quickly set up an operation that can put money in the pockets of transfers and improve your football
1: team. Can you get if sponsored they that- by the Spearmint Rhino?
0: Yeah, I mean, there we've got a lot of cash that needs to be cleaned. Saying,
1: up. there's a lot of lot of cash flowing through that place. It's just, it's yeah.
0: Um, it'll be interesting to see uh, how Barry Odom builds out that staff and how the Rebels look on the field.
2: Oh, um,
1: what about one of the Munkin brothers for Purdue? Jeff or Todd? I think Todd would probably be bored where they're going but i can't rule jeff out i do think that wherever they go it's going to be an offensive guy because that's just what they've always been
0: Mm. we'll keep it
1: on
2: you and i i just thought about that
0: no i I thought about dino babers too but dino babers is 61 years old you might be able to sell that but we'll see
1: he did beat you you, yeah
0: I need to rewatch that game. That was an incredible. Experience.
1: It was. It was one of those just college football games that kind of happens, and you throw it into the ether afterwards.
0: Uh, I held on to it close to my heart. It was so dumb.
1: Yeah, it was very dumb.
0: It was so dumb. Uh, okay, so uh, any other so Kevin Wilson to Tulsa. Any any other sort of standouts from the the recent moves on the coaching carousel? Anything you're keeping your eyes on? Obviously, uh, Purdue and what the a a Big Ten job uh, is open at a program that has been making bowl games recently. The floor you know, it seems to have been raised. The expectations certainly have been raised. Uh, we'll be keeping our eyes to see uh, who ends up going to fill that job. For Louisville, good gravy. I'm sure you are thrilled right now. This is an early Christmas for Cards fans. Your basketball team stinks, and your football team at least now finally has its hero. He's coming home, baby.
2: Tulsa feels like an uninspiring hire. I'm not saying Kevin Wilson can't work there. And I think the whole, like, eventually the boosters want to believe in something and you have to give them something new to keep them donating thing applies for the firing of Phil Montgomery. Like, Tulsa's an extremely hard job. Montgomery did a fine job there, I think. And and results-wise, I don't think he necessarily had to be fired. Certainly there's nothing Kevin Wilson has done as a head coach that suggests that he's a better head coach did Phil Montgomery, but it gives you like how do you keep, how do you keep people donating? That's the key to a lot of these hires. It's hey, Power Five experience at Ohio State, high flying offense. Let's ignore when he was the head coach because that was a disaster. Uh, you know like that, that kind of stuff. That's how you sell it to your boosters. Um, I think uh, GJ Kenny staying at Texas State and not taking the yes. job is it's interesting. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, North Texas is going to be a job all these coaches want. Like they, North Texas will, if they do the search right, will get somebody better than you think they can get.
0: As they are on the way on their way to the American Athletic Conference to be a conference foe of and Kevin location. Wilson and yeah. Tulsa.
2: Like mm-hmm. that's a better job than Tulsa.
0: That I, I, this is going to be a hard. Not hard. It's our job. We love doing this, but we're going to have to reset a lot of these programs as these shifts happen this off season and then next off season. The landscape is changing, and it's uh, it's very very fun to keep track of all of it.
1: North Texas is recruiting Odell Beckham. So,
0: Odell Beckham as head coach. What <laughs> could go wrong? Said the NCAA violation that, that's report. That's why he that was night really night in, New in New Orleans. Orleans. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tomorrow we will be back 11 a.m. Eastern Time with our Army Navy locks. You can guess where we're going to be at with that one. Hmm. So Did we you both- know.
1: We will preview America's game. What Did you know the under for the Music City Bowl, the total for Iowa-Kentucky is lower, lower than the Army-Navy total right now?
0: Yeah, I actually mentioned that on CBS Sports HQ uh, <laughs> last night. I had to give out my, one of my favorite bowl picks, and it was from the Music City Bowl. And I said a game with a lower total than Army-Navy. Magical, right. magical stuff. And you know who, I, who the host was? Uh, Paul Burmeister, the former Iowa quarterback. And so when I got out there and I said Kentucky and lay the points, let me tell you, Hayden Fry's former quarterback was not too happy to be staring at my muppet-looking face coming back at him, saying that I didn't know how many points the Hawkeyes were going to
1: score. No Petrus, no Padilla. They might need Paul to play. I mean, <laughs> that's what I should have said
0: immediately after I got off. That's what
1: I was thinking right there. Anyway,
0: we will be back 11 a.m. Eastern time on Thursday. We will preview Army Navy. Uh, we will rank our top available players in the transfer portal and much much more from the coaching carousel and you can follow him on twitter at tom pranelli you can follow him at blood elliot three you can follow me at chip underscore patterson gentlemen thank you very much thank you see y'all